In his short story, Ernest Hemingway tells of a Spanish father and his teenage son. The relationship between them became strained and eventually shattered. The rebellious son, who was called Paco, which was a common Spanish name, ran away from home. But then his father began a long and grueling search to find him. Eventually, as a last resort, he placed an advert in a Madrid newspaper, hoping that his son would see it and respond. The ad read, Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. But as Hemingway tells the story, the next day at noon, in front of the newspaper office were 800 men, all called Paco, all seeking forgiveness from their father. This world is crying out for forgiveness. Our failures and mistakes, our cruel words, our selfish actions and wrong thoughts and attitudes can often overwhelm us with guilt and shame. And this doesn't just get in the way of our relationship with each other. It also impacts our relationship with God. It creates distance between us. But it doesn't need to be this way. In his model for prayer, Jesus taught our sin doesn't need to trap us in guilt and shame. It doesn't need to keep us from intimacy with God. Instead, through prayer, we can enjoy the freedom of being forgiven and of forgiving. So we're going to read again Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 15 this, this time. Uh, and Alison is going to come up and she's going to read for us. Thank you, Alison. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from you, the evil one. For if you forgive other people, and let them come into you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you very much, Alison. Last week we saw that Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. That's for our everyday physical essentials. But Jesus also taught us to pray, to ask God to forgive us our debts. Because forgiveness is as much a daily necessity as food is. And that's because we've all sinned. Many people in the world try to avoid that reality, of course. Some do it by distracting themselves. 
uh, from their guilt, from with things like alcohol or, or drugs or a whole range of other things, even food. A guy called Marlon Brando, the famous movie uh, actor, movie star, he said this, I'm sorry for all the harm that I've done and for all the troubles I've brought to others in my life. Now I'm a guilty old man who's ashamed of the kind of life I've led. There's nothing left for me except eating. That was his way to try to cope, to distract himself from the guilt of his life. Other people, they try to deny it. They reject the idea of of an absolute right and wrong and, and claim that they can live any way that they want. It's not wrong, it's just a lifestyle choice. And still others, they deflect their guilt. They blame other people for their failures. Their their parents, their environment, even the government. Of course, that's nothing new. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did in blaming others for their sin. But the Bible is clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned against God. And that sin is a moral and spiritual debt to God. We owe complete love and obedience to God as our creator. But we've all fallen short of that standard. We've all failed to honour God as he deserves and as we were designed to. And so we've incurred a massive debt. And if unpaid, this debt would separate us from God. Not just now in our lives, but also forever in hell. The wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says. So we need to face up to the reality of the seriousness of this. Our sin would keep us from God forever. But even if we face up to this problem, we still have a problem. And that's because we can't pay this debt ourselves. Of course, many people don't, don't accept this. They try and bargain with God. God, if you get me out of this problem, then I'll never do it again. I'll change. If you give me another chance, I'll serve you faithfully from now on. If you give me more time, I'll make up for all my mistakes. With these desperate promises, they hope that they can pay off their debt. But the Bible says that's impossible. The Bible is absolutely clear that none of us can pay the debt of our sin. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Romans 3.20 says. No matter how hard we try, or how religious we are, or how much we sacrifice or suffer, we can never pay off the debt of our sin. 
And so we need a saviour. We need someone to pay the debt that we could never pay ourselves. And of course, that's what we've been celebrating already in our service. That's what we've been celebrating in our time of communion. That God provided the Saviour that we desperately needed in the person of His Son. So Paul said in in Acts chapter 13, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. When we put our faith in Jesus, He cancels our debt completely. That's what this word forgiveness means. It literally means to throw our debt away. To completely dispose of our sin. This wonderful promise in Psalm 103 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. When we trust in Christ, He wipes our past. He removes our sin from us completely. He removes our past, our present, our future sins from our record and promises never to bring them up again. This is the promise of the new covenant. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. What an incredible promise. That God will never remember our sin. He will never call to remembrance our debt against Him ever again. All of our sins have been forgiven if we'll put our trust in Jesus. And because of this, we are set free. Free from condemnation. Free from fear. Free from death. Free to live with God and for God for eternity. And I think the most incredible thing about this is this gift of forgiveness is offered to us for free. We can't pay anything towards it. We can't promise to pay it back later. Instead, we can only receive it as a free gift of God's outrageous grace. It is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. It's a gift that we just can receive without paying for it, without trying to earn it, without trying to deserve it, without trying to pay it back. Just receive it by faith. Why can we get it for free? Well, it's because somebody else paid the price. God is just. So he can't just brush our sins under the carpet. He can't just pretend that we didn't commit them. They need to get paid for. That debt has to be paid. 
But that's what Jesus did on the cross. Christ died for sins. Once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself our sins and he suffered for it in full. And just before he died, as you maybe remember, he said, it is finished. It is paid in full. He has taken our punishment. He has cleared our debts. He has died our death once and for all. So if we've turned from our sin, and if we put our faith in Jesus, then we've been given full and free forgiveness. Paid for with his precious blood. So we don't need to fear anymore. Our sin debt will never again separate us from God. This wonderful promise in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we trusted in Jesus, we will never, ever be condemned. That's the wonderful offer of the gospel. It's the gospel that we know. It's the gospel that we celebrate every Sunday when we gather together. But that doesn't complete our need of forgiveness. This pattern of prayer that we've been working through in Matthew 6 over the last few weeks, it was given to the disciples. It's for disciples of Jesus. It's for those who have already accepted Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. So here's a question. Why, if we have been fully and freely forgiven, all of our sins, past, present and future, and on the moment that we put our trust in Jesus, if we have all received that gift, why do we need to regularly pray Forgive us our debts. If our sins have already been forgiven, why ask for them to be forgiven? Well, that's because we still have a problem with sin in our lives. Every single one of us. Whether we've been following Jesus for a short time or for a long time, we're still falling short of God's standard. None of us here love God and obey God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. None of us are perfect. I hope that's not a shock to you. I hope you knew that. I'm sure the people around you knew that. But I hope you knew that. And the Bible is clear that none of us will be perfect before Jesus comes back again. This is what the Apostle John wrote in in his letter, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. He was writing about himself and to other believers. He said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. 
Yes, of course, God wants us to grow in holiness. He wants us to increasingly become more and more like Jesus all through our lives. And as we'll see next week, or next time we look at this, He wants us to come to Him for help to overcome temptation in our lives. But none of us will ever be able to live sinlessly this side of heaven. The Bible is clear that there's nobody who lives sinlessly on earth today. None of us. We all struggle with sin. And this sin still has serious consequences. Yes, if we have trusted in Jesus, then our sin will never ever condemn us again. It can't break our relationship with God. Jesus' promise to all of those who trust in Him is this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. If we put our trust in Jesus, or even if we put our trust in Jesus today, then we can know that we are saved, that we are forgiven, we are safe and secure in His hand, and nothing and no one can ever separate us from His love. So our ongoing sin cannot break our relationship with God. But our ongoing sin can interrupt our fellowship with Him. This is what John also said in his letter. He said this, If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, a picture of walking in sinfulness, then we lie. And do not live by the truth. Our ongoing sin will never kick us out of God's family. Jesus, He will never let go of us if we put our trust in Him. But sin does create a distance between us and our Heavenly Father. We miss out on that loving intimacy with Him. Knowing His presence and experiencing His joy. If that sin remains in our life, then we don't experience that closeness with God as we long for. And so we need to deal with that sin. Constantly in our lives, that sin needs to be dealt with. But the great news is, the wonderful news is, That the one who offers us full and free forgiveness, the moment that we put our trust in Jesus, is the same one who offers us ongoing forgiveness as we struggle to follow Jesus. Let me say again, this forgiveness is not about whether we are saved or not. It's not whether we're in God's family or not. It's not whether we are going to heaven or not. But it is about our ongoing relationship with God, our ongoing fellowship, our intimacy, our closeness, the enjoyment of that relationship. And that forgiveness is offered by God to us. It's offered to us, but it's not automatic. We need to ask for it. We can't just go through our lives forgetting about our sins saying, oh, well, God will deal with that whenever he, whatever he wants. 
Instead, we need to confess it before God. Back in back into one John chapter one it says this if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's the offer. Forgiveness, ongoing forgiveness in our lives, ongoing purification from our unrighteousness in our lives. But it's based on our condition, isn't it? If we confess our sins. So just like what we did at the start when we put our trust in Jesus, we need to admit that we are wrong. We need to agree that our words or our actions or our attitudes or our thoughts are evil. Without minimizing the seriousness of them. Without comparing ourselves to others. You know, God, I'm really sorry for this, but you know, that guy, he's, he's much worse than me. Without trying to justify them. God, it's, it's, just, it's just that I'm under a lot of pressure just now. That's why I did that. We need to agree that what we did was wrong. And we, we need to accept the blame of that. Not trying to pass the, bu- the buck. Not trying to say, like, it wasn't my fault, or that person, they made me do it. Or it's just the way that I'm made. We need to confess, honestly, humbly before God, our sin. Of course, we need to do that to God. That should go without saying, because our sin is against God. And so we need to go to God with our sin. This is what David said in Psalm 51, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Yes, David knew he'd sinned against others, but the seriousness of it was because he'd sinned against God. So he confessed it to God. And we need to do the same. Confession should be part and parcel of our everyday Christian lives. So we need to confess our sin to God and then in faith come through Jesus and ask God to forgive us our debts. And we can do that because the forgiveness that we need to restore that fellowship with God To clear those sins away so that we can enjoy that intimacy with God is again a free gift that was paid for with the precious blood of Jesus. This is why God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's because the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. The payment that is needed to cleanse us from our sin on a daily basis has already been paid. It's been paid in full by Christ. So we need to confess our sin. We need to come through faith in Jesus. But I think we also need to be careful to accept this forgiveness. Not hang on to our guilt. 
not beat ourselves up about all of our failures again and again. Not confess the same sin repeatedly again and again, year after year, just because we feel guilty about it. To do that would be to dishonour Christ, wouldn't it? It would be to refuse to live in the freedom and the joy that he paid for on the cross. He's done everything that's needed for us to be fully forgiven. So we just need to step into that forgiveness. Come in repentance and faith and receive this incredible gift. Yes, at times we as Christians can feel guilty, but it should only be temporary. Because that guilt should then lead us to confessing our sins and receiving his forgiveness and being released from that guilt. Not because we deserve it. Not because we'll never do it again. Not because we'll work work it off. Not because of any other reason apart from the fact that Jesus paid for our forgiveness in full on the cross. But there's a condition to all of this. Did you notice that in verse 12? Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus assumed here that we will have debtors. Just as we all sin, so we will all be sinned against. There's no hint that because we are following Jesus, then everybody's going to be nice to us. Or that God will kind of bubble wrap us up so that we'll never be hurt or never be offended ever again. In fact, it's the opposite, isn't it? If we choose to follow Jesus, then we will be hurt in extra ways. This is what Paul says. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There will be additional hurts caused. Additional offences given. Additional sins against us. But when we're under attack, when people hurt us, When people say offensive things about us, turn against us, betray us, falsely accuse us, we shouldn't be shocked or surprised. We shouldn't conclude that somehow God has failed us. As Peter said, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange was happening to you. This is part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus. We all struggle with sin, but we all are sinned against. And when that happens, it's natural for us to want justice. Or even retaliation and revenge. It's natural that we want that debt against us paid for. That we want to see others hurt for this, to suffer for the wrongs and the hurt that they have caused. But instead, Jesus wants us to forgive them. 
This is what Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. We're called to forgive no matter what the other person has done against us. Now we need to be careful what we mean by this. It's a really complex issue that we need to think carefully about. Forgiveness does not mean that we should be immediately reconciled with them. Reconciliation requires that the wrongdoer confesses sin or her sin and repent of it. Reconciliation always requires repentance. Nor does forgiveness mean that we should always be restored into relationship with that person. In some cases, in serious cases, to be restored into relationship with that person would either be inappropriate or even dangerous. Nor does forgiveness mean that the wrongdoer shouldn't have to face the consequences of their actions either now or in the future. When we're talking about our forgiveness, we're not talking about having the authority to forgive their sin against society, not against God. We're not dealing with those issues in this personal forgiveness. And neither do I think it means that we need to forget what they did to us. I think probably that's impossible. Especially if it's a serious issue. Forgive and forget. I don't think that's a biblical principle at all. So what does forgiving mean? Well, forgiving means that we personally no longer look for retaliation or revenge. We are wiping away our record of that person's sin. Not, not God's record, not our society's record, but our record of their sin. We cancel their debt against us. And ultimately, we leave the issue of justice in God's hands. That is, of course, an incredibly difficult thing to do at times in our lives. I would be shocked if most people, if not all of us, would say forgiving other people is one of the hardest things we're called to do as believers. It's tough. If we've been deeply hurt, this will probably be a painful journey rather than just an immediate step. We may need to go back over that forgiveness again and again, work through those issues. But forgiveness is good for us. When we forgive other people, we are blessed. It's the only way for us to really experience freedom from resentment and bitterness. And it's also crucial if we are going to experience an ongoing fellowship with God. Did you see what Jesus went on to say in verse 14 and 15 of our chapter? For if you forgive men when they sin against you, 
your your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is not about us earning forgiveness of our sins. Remember, that's that's a free gift that's given because of what Jesus has done. But this is the condition of receiving that forgiveness. If we want to be forgiven, then we need to confess our sin before God and ask Him for that outrageous grace. But if we refuse to forgive others, if we treat other people as they have treated us, if we hate those who have hated us, if we reject those who have rejected us, if we hold on to resentment and bitterness, then we are refusing them the grace that we ourselves desperately need. This is the impact of Jesus' parable that he told of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18. In that story, the king graciously cancelled his servant's massive debt that he'd run up against them. An incredibly massive debt that that servant would never have been able to pay in any way. But that servant went out from being forgiven and immediately found one of his fellow servants who owed him a relatively small amount in comparison to the massive debt that had just been released from him. But instead of expressing that same grace that he had just received, he attacked his fellow servant. He threw him into prison and demanded payment. Demanded justice. So when the king found out, this is what he said. You wicked servant. I cancelled this debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Here's the challenge of this passage. If we have been forgiven so much by God, how can we withhold forgiveness from those who sin against us? If we have received this gift that we could never deserve from God, how can we say to somebody else, well, you don't deserve to be forgiven? How can we not forgive as the Lord forgave you? If Jesus has paid this price in full of our massive debt against God, dying on the cross in agony and shame in our place, how can we demand payment from those who sin against us for their relatively small debt against us. How can we receive so much grace and not be gracious to others? This, of course, is really challenging. If you struggle with that, 
please don't condemn yourself. Please don't think that the person, that any of us find that easy. Please don't think that I'm, I'm an expert in this at all. I'm just sharing what the Bible's teaching and we all are challenged by that. It's a process that we need to work through. I think it's one of the things that can be really helpful to work through with somebody else. So please find somebody that you can work through that if this is a real issue for you. Or come and speak to me afterwards and we can have a chat about it. But this is good news. This is wonderful news. Because we don't need to be trapped in guilt for our sins that we have committed nor trapped in bitterness for the sins that have been committed against us. We can live in freedom. We can pray for God's grace to set us free from both of them. In love, He offers us full and free forgiveness, paid for by Jesus. And through our experience of that love, and in response to that love, we can offer forgiveness to others. We can pray, forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who have debts against us. We can be those who are forgiven and who are forgiving.